Yeah, baby. Y'all like that? We're so uh, multi-talented here at Strong Towers. Uh, Jackson was the star of that video. And uh, thank Dr. Joel for the vision for putting that together. And we are excited about next Sunday night. So again, don't come here at 1030. You're going to think the rapture took place. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't come here at 1030 now. We'll be here at 10 o'clock. Now, I do believe we're working on a um, hot chocolate bar at 9.30. Hot chocolate and some other things are going to be available for those of you who want to come a little early. So we're going to have a good time. We've invited people in the community. Um, other churches are going to be here with us. So Strong Tower, let's make sure we show up well. Um, my ushers, my greeters, we're going to need you that night to help with people. Um, my security team, I know y'all will be here. Just make sure folks aren't wandering all through the building. Um, and so it's going to be a great night, and we're going to count down. We're going to count down, just like if you were sitting at home watching, uh, who's that new boy, Ryan Seacrest? It used to be uh, Dick Clark, but you, you, you're going to be at church, and we're going to count down. And like uh, Pastor Felicia said, there was a time when I was in church at uh, watch night to keep us from going to the club and the party. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember? <laughs> you had to sit on that hard bench <laughs> at midnight. You, you brought in the new year praying. Thank you, God. And we're going to do that too in our dance ministry. Uh, the young people are going to be dancing to one of the live worship songs that night. So it's going to be a phenomenal time. All right, all right. I'll, we'll send another email out this week. Uh, to, to, to remind you and let you know. All, all right, turning your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. We're talking about the voices of Christmas from Luke's Gospel. The voices of Christmas. What does Christmas sound like? Who are some of the voices that we need to listen to? to gain encouragement, perspective, strength, and hope. And today we're going to listen to the voices of the shepherds. But first, let me pray. Father, thank you for a divine night when your son was born. When your son, the divine one, entered into time and space and took upon him human flesh. Great is the mystery of godliness that God was manifested in the flesh. What a miracle. What a display of your awesome power. Thank you, Jesus, for knowing why you came. You came to save your people from our sins. And we thank you for being the lamb who would be slain to take away our sins once and for all because your blood fully satisfied and pleased the Father's righteous demands, just demands against unrighteousness. We know that there could not be a pardon without a payment. Jesus, we thank you that you paid it all and all to you we owe. And when we find ourselves wrestling and struggling 
Lord, might we hear when you whisper in our ear and say, it is finished. It's finished. It's done. You are the risen one. Now, Lord, give us a word from your word. Give us what we need in this season, in this moment. We pray for those who have family who've come in from out of town, those who may be going out of town. We thank you for safe traveling mercies. We pray for safe traveling mercies. And we pray for a great time with our family today and tomorrow as we celebrate the birth of King Jesus. For it's in his name that I pray and ask it all. Amen. From the time I was born in Baltimore, Maryland, to the time I went to college in Lynchburg, Virginia, I lived in three houses. Three houses. The first house is 4203 Fairfax Road. I lived there until I was about 11. Then we moved to 3415 Joanne Drive. We moved from the city to the county. Oh, we thought we were doing something then. And then uh, from there, right before I went to college, we moved to 9020 Haymore Road. Moved three times. Now, for some of you, that may not be much because there are people in this room, you have moved quite a bit. Just three times for me before I went to college. But if you are a military kid, you, have, you may have moved once or twice because of military bases. If you are the son of a professional athlete or the daughter of a professional athlete, there's a great chance you moved a couple of times because of contract negotiations and being traded and on and on. So there's the glamorous side that people see of professional athletes, but there's another side where you have to move and go from place to place. Also, you may have moved a couple of times um, if you were the son of an African Methodist Episcopal minister or just a simple Methodist minister because a lot of denominations, especially the Methodists, they will rotate the pastor every few years and they will move the pastor not only within the state, they'll move the pastor outside of the state and so people move. They come and they go. But here's the thing about moving. Here's the thing about moving. Moving can be very, very, very inconvenient when you have to move. Because when you move from a house and move to a house, you got to find a real estate agent. There's a couple of them in here. Don't raise your hand. But you got to find a good real estate agent. <laughs> I see you up there. Tony. Tony's like this. Just. And uh, you got to find a real estate agent. And then you've got to make some repairs in your house. You know, the kind of repairs that you didn't make while you were living there, but now that you're about to move, you're about to fix it up for the next person so that it could sell faster. So it's a little inconvenient. And then packing, packing. Because again, most of us may not have companies that will send people to pack us up and, and move us out and load everything. Most of us have to do that stuff ourselves. And so we got to go to U-Haul and get the boxes, and we got to write on the boxes the kitchen and put everything in there. You got to get newspaper. You got to wrap all this stuff. It's inconvenient. And then when you get to where you're going, you have to unpack all this stuff. Moving, moving, it can be inconvenient. But also, moving can be uncomfortable. It can be uncomfortable. 
because you're going to have to sit in front of a banker who has gone through all of your financial history, your credit score, your, what, your lunch money from the seventh grade. They're going through everything. And then when you get approved, and you got to sign that paperwork. Man, it's like you're signing your life away because they keep giving you one document after another, one document after another. And that can be uncomfortable when you start thinking about whether you got a 15-year fix to a 30-year mortgage. Like, oh my goodness, how am I going to make this payment every month, every year for X amount of years? And it can get a little uncomfortable sometimes when you think about all the financial responsibilities that you are now taking on. You might be like, man, I should have stayed renting in that apartment. No, 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 no. I'm glad you're taking part in the American dream to own a home. But another thing that makes moving uncomfortable is that when you get into a new town, a new city, you have to adjust to that culture, meaning you've got to learn the highway system. When I first moved here, when we first moved here, 40, 24, 65, it was so confusing. It, it took a minute to learn. And uh, when you go into a new place, you got to learn the roads. And, and, and again, when we moved, this was before you could look stuff up on your phone. We would have to go print out directions or we would have to go into Cracker Barrel, y'all don't hear me, and buy one of them road maps and trace everything through that. I'm telling my age right now. Y'all, thank God for technology. But there was a time, man, it was just so uncomfortable. And then moving can be intimidating. Not only inconvenient and uncomfortable, but intimidating. Moving, yeah, yeah. Why is it intimidating? Because you've got to make new friends now. And for some of us who may be a little less outgoing, that may be tough. That I got to go to a new town and meet new people. Ah, oh, that's, that can be intimidating. And then if you have children, your children got to go to a new school. Now, parents aren't thinking much about that, but we just got our cool points at the school we were at, worked hard to get them. Now we got to cash them in, go to another state, another city, and start all over again from scratch. Uh, uh, uh. Got to sit with the right people, got to talk with the right people. It can be somewhat intimidating when you move and you're the new kid on the block. You're the new kid in school. But not only that, you got to find yourself a new barber when you get into a new town. And don't you know that's not easy? I'm Y'all don't want to talk to me this morning, but that's all right. I'm going to tell the truth. Because when you go to certain grocery stores, because you got to find a new grocery store, then if you got hair like mine, you got to find hair care products that can help you where you are. And you go into some grocery stores, and if you got an eye, it's this small right there. But at your other spot, you had everything you needed. But you got to start all over again. You got to find a new barber, a new hair salon, somebody that'll do your hair right. You know, that's important. That's important. Uh, not only that, not only that, you got to find a, a new church. Uh, man, that, that, that can be tough sometimes because the church is family. And when you go into another place, you got to be that newcomer. Uh, I'm not trying to make the people who are the first time visitors here today, but we are going to ask you to stand in a minute and recite everything about yourself and don't get nervous. But, but when you go to a new church, <laughs> being that new person, man, it's not easy. Moving requires 
something that humans don't like. And that's change. We don't like change. We say we want change. But when it comes down to it, we don't like change. Why is that? Change breaks our routine. Change messes with our comfort zone. Change exposes our desire to be in control. Change confronts us with the unknown. I don't like change, but from a positive perspective, change forces us to walk by faith. Because the thing about comfort zones is that God is always trying to get us out of comfort zones. So it put us in situations where we have to trust in him. I believe Elder Aubrey says he loves change. You are different, my brother. You are different. Change inspires us to grow. And change reminds us, listen to this, that God does not change. We change. Times change. People change. The world changes But Malachi, the prophet, said, the Lord changes not. You see, growing up in church, there was a song we used to sing, hold to God's unchanging hand. It starts off by saying, time is filled with what? Swift transition. transition. Now, I don't know all the next of it. Not on earth, unmoved, can stand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold. Matter of fact, let's sing that uh, right now. Y'all want to sing that real quick? Let me get a couple song leaders. Come up here. Melissa, come on up. I know you know it. Come on. Lasagna. Hold to his hand. That's all right. Keep preaching. All right, I'm going to keep preaching. All right, I'm going to keep preaching. To get what we want and what we need out of life, at some point, We're going to have to embrace change. That's how we grow. To embrace change is to know how to move and when to move. The shepherds of Luke 2, they can teach us a whole lot about movement. Let's begin reading at Luke chapter 2, verse 8. If you don't have your scriptures, they should be on the screen. Coming from the New King James Version, The Bible reads, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Some versions say they were terrified. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Let me stop right there for a second. Some of us are fearful, terrified, for various reasons. Not only during this season, but in life. We find ourselves walking through valleys of shadows of death. And the Bible tells us not to fear because God knows we become 
afraid. We all get afraid. But what I love about this is when the shepherds were terrified, the angel said, don't be afraid. And then the shepherd, or the angel rather, shared good news, great tidings. The good news that the Savior has come for all people. So when we have fear, what's the greatest thing to combat fear? The gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that God loves us. His love is perfect and perfect love casts out fear. So when I find myself struggling because of fear, I got to grab the gospel shoes of peace. Ephesians 6, the gospel shoes of peace because the gospel stabilizes us. When we say, man, I have a God who loves me, who gave his son, and if he gave me his son, he'll give me everything else that I need. Jesus died for me. I died with him. He was buried. I was buried with him. He rose from the dead. I've been raised with him to walk in a new life. I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. No one or nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. God loves me. No one will stop God from loving me. His love will never change. His love will never go away. And the God gospel secures you and the fear begins to evaporate so the gospel is not just a message for lost people the gospel is a message for saved people too so sometimes when you're going through something preach the gospel to yourself that you're a victor because you're in the one who rose from the dead yeah, 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 yeah. That, I just threw that in for free. Don't worry, but we're not going to pass the plates for that. But let me keep on going. He goes on to say in verse 12, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger where animals eat from. Wow. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Again, put yourself in their shoes or their wings. They know who the earth is getting because they've been worshiping him from the time that they were created. And they know how mighty, awesome, majestic and amazing the sun is. And now the world has received the sun. And the angels are excited about the gift that the world has received, and they're praising God. Verse 15, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. I call your attention to verse 15. Where it says, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem. 
If I could translate their voice this morning, I would title this message, Let's Move. Let's move. Let's go. Let's get it. You see, in Bible days, shepherds, shepherds, they were considered a despised people. So when we start thinking about the people that God chose to announce that his son had been born, he chose shepherds, the first group. And they were a despised group because the Egyptians saw shepherds as abominations. Genesis chapter 46, verse 34, when Joseph was bringing his brothers in to work the land uh, in Egypt, he told Pharaoh that they're shepherds. But then it goes on to say, as far as that culture, that the Egyptians viewed shepherds as abominations. Shepherds were also considered ceremonially unclean. Why is that? Because they were constantly around sheep, which meant that they were constantly filthy. They're walking in dirt and dust and mud. They're sweating. They're perspiring. And not only that, because they're walking with sheep, sometimes they would lead sheep from the front. Sometimes they would lead a flock from the middle. Sometimes they would even lead the sheep from behind. But the point is, you're not going to lead sheep without smelling like sheep. You're not going to lead sheep without stepping in manure. And so they were considered ceremonially unclean. Not only that, shepherds were considered to be insignificant. They were seen as being on the lower rung of society in Bible days because they were doing uh, manual labor, things that got them filthy. They did grunge work. They were often overlooked. So let me take you to the story of David. Remember David? God tells the prophet Samuel, go to Bethlehem. One of Jesse's sons is going to be the next king of Israel. And he goes in and, and, and Jesse has his seven sons parade before Samuel. And Samuel is ready to crown the first one because he looked good. Oh, I wish I could stop here for a second. But first, uh, Samuel 16, God says, no, no, don't, don't choose him just because he looks the part. I don't look at what man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. Do not anoint him because he looks good. Uh, brothers, sisters who are single. Just don't anoint him or her because they look good. <laughs> Amen, lights. <laughs> Listen to the Lord. Give it some time. The Bible talks about don't lay hands suddenly on anybody. The sins of some people are obvious. Other folks' stuff trailing along later. Slow it down. So he's like, okay, then let the other sons come by. All the other sons come by. And Samuel's like, God is not saying any of them is the one. He then has to ask Jesse, you got any more? He's like, yeah, I got one more. The youngest, he, he out there with the sheep, though. Samuel said, man, bring him in. I'm not sitting down until he comes in. As soon as he comes in, the Lord says, He's the one. 
anoint him. But here's what I can't get over. I heard John Maxwell say this years ago, and that is, it's hard growing up in a home when your father does not see you as king material. I'm going to leave you out there with the sheep because I see you as insignificant. But Samuel said, he's the one. So shepherds, shepherds, man, that's how they were looked at. And they were also looked at as being unscrupulous because some shepherds gave good, some bad shepherds gave good shepherds a bad name because some sold people sick sheep and they knew it was sick. This is where car salesmen come from. Anyway, um, <laughs> not the good car salesmen in here. <laughs> You know, in our culture, used car salesmen. Anyway, uh, uh, because some would sell sick sheep, and then there would be some shepherds who would steal other shepherd's sheep. You know, a shepherd is a pastor. Anyway, uh, um, um, <laughs> so shepherds, man, they, they didn't have the best rep. So why would God announce his birth the birth of his son, to shepherds and not to kings or priests or scribes. Why to these lowly folk? Well, the kingdom of God is a place where the last are first and the first are last. Are you part of God's kingdom? God says the last are first. And the first or last, the kingdom of God includes those who are excluded due to race, class, or gender. For the shepherds, it was about class. They were excluded, but God says, I'm going to include you. And the kingdom of God has a king who was born low in order to identify with the lowly. If I had time, I would take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to like 29, uh, where it talks about not many of you were noble when God called you and on and on and on. You, in other words, we didn't have anything to offer, but God offered everything to us. And so no matter how much you have, you really have nothing in the sight of God. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've accomplished, no matter what family you've come from, because you've sinned, you've fallen short of the glory of God. And so you have a king from heaven who says, I'm going to come down. The most high is going to come down low and be born to peasant parents who couldn't even afford doves at the temple, had to use pigeons. I'm, I'm going to use peasant parents and I'm going to call these social outcasts because that's how the kingdom works. The kingdom of God is right side up in an upside down world. But the world thinks that is right side up and the kingdom is upside down. Oh, no. The kingdom is right side up. And when we live kingdom in an upside down world, there's going to be a rub up in here. When you honor the poor, when you honor widows and orphans, when you honor the last and bring them to the front, when you sit them at the banquet table, people from the hedges and the highways, when that starts to happen, the kingdom is coming. Thank God that the king came. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine, it says, for consider the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes, he became poor so that we through his poverty might become rich. That's the king 
of this kingdom. Hallelujah. Here's what we got to see today. The shepherds in Luke 2, they show us how to move. Let's run through this real quick. Number one, we should move together. If we're going to move, we should move together. These shepherds have something to say to us. We should move together. Look at verse 15 again. Luke chapter 2, verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem. They said, let's move. And let's move together because they said, let us now go. I want to know who you're moving with. And are the people you're moving with moving in the same direction that you're moving in? You see, Jesus sent his disciples out two by two for a reason. Sometimes we got to go alone. But it's better to go as a team. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Oh, I love this. I like to read this at weddings and stuff. Quan and Gina, oh boy, coming up on the 30th. Watch out now. Two about to become one. I love it. Ecclesiastes 4 says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. You got to go with somebody because sometimes you get weak. You got to go with somebody because sometimes you stumble and struggle and you need somebody to lift you up. You got to go with somebody because somebody you walk with might be struggling and you got to lift them up. You got to encourage them the way they've encouraged you. You got to drink out of their cup that's overflowing because they've drank out of your cup that's overflowing. But one day your cup is empty and their cup is full. One day there's fruit on your tree. There's none on there. Oh, you got to go together with someone. We cannot live the Christian life by ourselves. The shepherds move together. And when they move, y'all, they move from the fields to the city. They were in the fields. Then they said, let's go to the city, Bethlehem. And, and in those days, there were two Bethlehems. So you had to make sure you went to the right one. And where Jesus was born was the smaller one compared to the other one in Galilee. There was one in Galilee and there was one in Judea in the south. Bethlehem of Epithetheth. I can't pronounce it in the Hebrew, but it goes something like that. Uh, Micah <laughs> chapter 5, verse 2, talks about how the king, the eternal ruler, would be born in Bethlehem. And that's where them brothers went together. Oh, they traveled. And then once they went from the country to the city, they then, according to the scriptures, went from the city back to the country. They were doing it together. I got to read something to you from Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Now, I said what Felicia said in the video was corny. When she said, mount on wings and soar in 2024, you did the, yeah. And I said, that was corny. What I'm about to say is corny. But a lot of preachers have said it, so it's my turn now. I want to talk to you about God's lettuce patch. Not let us, but let us. It's corny, but it's effective. Watch this. Uh, 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 Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. 
Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Three times, the writer says, let us, let us. He also says it earlier in the book of Hebrews when he talks about let us pray. Let us go to the house of the Lord. Let us go on to perfection. Let us enter into the rest. Let us hold fast our confession. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Let us. Western Christianity has so individualized the faith. Making it about me, myself, and I, and that Jesus is my personal Savior. No, Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father. These letters were written to communities, not solely to individuals. We're not going to make it if we're not in community. And if not this church, you got to find a church somewhere with believers who can sharpen you like iron, encourage you, and you can do the same, and you can use your gifts to edify and be edified. I want to know who are you moving with, and can people count on you as you move with them? But then secondly, not only should we move together, we should move by faith. Let me go back to Luke 2.15 again, Luke 2.15. It says, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. They said, let's go see this. We heard about it, but now we got a chance to see it. Let us see what we heard about. Haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to see it. That's the walk of faith. We've heard the gospel. We've embraced the Christ of the gospel. But we haven't seen him yet. But we will see him. Got to move from here to there. Uh-huh. So, so, so we should move by faith. They were given a word and they acted on it. They said they would see this thing before they actually saw it. Let's go see it before they actually saw it. I love faith because faith is the substance of things what? Hope for. The evidence of things not seen. I haven't seen it, but I hope for it. My hope is so strong that I can hold it, that I see it with my spiritual eye before I even see it in the natural realm. That's faith. So these brothers were like, Let us now go and see what was told to us. They were moving by faith. And the proof of their faith, listen to this, was found in their movement. A lot of people say, I have faith. But if you don't move, it's not faith. If you don't work, it's not faith. It's talk. And talk is cheap in the ears of God. So they said, we got faith. And they Move. And not only did they move, the Bible says they moved with haste. I said it last week. They didn't have the paralysis of analysis. 
They weren't uh, uh, being overly literal, thinking about every situation that could go wrong, might go wrong. They didn't say, you know what, man, why don't we sleep on it and leave in the morning? (laughs) That's how a lot of us do, right? Yeah, we'll roll in the morning. No, they said, let's move. And they moved with haste. Movement is the sound of obedience. What does obedience sound like? It sounds like moving. So I want to know, are you moving or are you standing still? Really, you can't stand still because if you're not moving forward, you're slipping backwards. Got to have faith. Got to have faith. It pleases God. Finally, we should move towards Jesus. If we're going to move, let's move towards Jesus. Look at verse 16 of Luke chapter 2. The Bible says, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. The word found here in the Greek means to find after a thorough search. So they went with haste and they found them. But I don't know if they had help like the wise men would have help a couple of years later by the star that they followed from the east and all that stuff. They found him. They had to search all over that small little city to find this family that fit that description, and they found him. Jeremiah 29, verse 13 says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Some of us feel far from God. And the old saying says, God didn't move, you did. But you can find him if you seek him with all your heart. He's not playing hide and go seek. But the Bible does say in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We must get on our knees, get on our face, get in God's word. We must fast. We must pray. We must worship. Because if you want to find God, you will find him. If you don't want to find him, you won't find him. But I like these shepherds. They found Jesus. These shepherds were moving towards Jesus. They, they just weren't getting up going to Bethlehem. No, they were getting up going into the city because they were looking for Jesus. Because if you are moving towards Jesus, I want to let somebody know you're moving right. If you're moving in life towards Jesus, you're moving right. Matthew 6, verse 33, Jesus said, but seek first. The kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto us. But we get deceived and seek the things that God knows we need and we put him on the back burner. No, seek first the kingdom of God. He should have first place in our lives simply because he's God and because he's good. So if you're moving towards Jesus, you're moving right. However, as I close, if you are not moving towards Jesus... Because you are moving primarily towards money and materially, material things, you aren't moving right. You know how people say, man, I got to get my moves right, you know, got to make some moves. Well, if all the moves you're making are focusing solely on money and material things, brother, you aren't moving right. Sister, you aren't moving right. If you are not moving towards Jesus because you are moving primarily towards fame and notoriety, you aren't moving right. Talking about, I got to expand my platform. No, no, I got to make my name great. No, make his name great. 
Let your light shine so people can see him, not just see you shining. If you are not moving towards Jesus because you are moving towards your career and personal aspirations, you aren't moving right. If you are not moving towards Jesus because you are moving towards pleasure and indulgence, you're not moving right. For what shall it profit a man or a woman to gain the whole world and lose his soul? And if you are not moving towards Jesus, watch this now, because you're moving primarily towards your family and your friends. You aren't moving right. Don't you dare put your family before Jesus. Mama shed some blood to bring you in here, but she didn't shed blood to get you up there. Perspective. Have no other God before God, even family. And if you are not moving towards Jesus because you are moving, and this hits home, because you're moving primarily towards the church. Pastor, you aren't moving right. The church is God's bride, not mine. Did y'all hear that? Because some of us are in love with church more than we are in love with the head of the church. We're more in love with religion than we are with faith and truth and love. And if we're moving that way towards church and religion and outward conformity and works-based righteousness and acceptance, we aren't moving right. We got to move towards Jesus. Because once you've had a real encounter with Jesus, you're going to go tell some other people about him. Because the Bible says the shepherds left from that place and started telling it everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. And listen here, nobody told them to go tell it. But God tells us to go tell it and we won't go tell it. Because we ought to tell it from an overflow of an encounter with Jesus. So when you have an an encounter with Jesus, you're happy to talk about him if you're in the line at Kroger. You're happy to talk about him if you're on an airplane and the conversation opens up for you. You're happy to talk about him with a neighbor because these shepherds were God's first evangelists. So the shepherds in Luke 2 show us how to move. Father, help us hear their voices. We should move together. We should move by faith. And we should move towards Jesus. Oh, that's good. That's simple. I, I, I needed this word. But guess what, though? Tomorrow, some of us might get in trouble. I'm not talking about you didn't get the right Christmas present or the right size for somebody. There's a lot of basketball on tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. It could be a problem in some houses. It could be a problem. The one game I want to see after we watched our Hallmark Christmas movies... <laughs> the one I want to watch is the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry, that's my favorite player. My favorite player. I respect LeBron, but man, Steph Curry, my favorite player. And not just because he's changed the game by how he shoots, the, the threes. Man. 
Nobody shoots like him. Greatest shooter the NBA has ever seen. But that's not why he's my favorite player. He's my favorite player because he's always moving. And somebody may say, man, that's not a lot. That's not a lot. He's moving with the ball. He's moving without the ball. He's moving on defense. He's got to be one of the most in-shape players in the NBA because he's moving. He's running. And I've heard, I've learned that if you want to be successful in sports, you got to keep your feet moving. So if you're going to be successful in basketball, you can't be successful if you don't move your feet. If you're going to be successful in soccer, Lord have mercy. The original football, you got to move your feet. If you're going to be successful in boxing, you cannot stand flat-footed and win every time. You've got to move your feet. If you're going to be successful in volleyball, tennis, track and field, got to move your feet. <laughs> talking about I want to win a gold and you not running in track <laughs> to be successful in hockey gymnastics and even swimming Got to move feet. and to be successful in life you got to keep moving because if you stand still you might look back and if you stand still and look back you know what happened to Lot's wife but anyway you got to keep Moving to be successful in life. In ministry, Jesus sent the disciples out two by two, going to the towns and preach the gospel and heal the sick and feed the poor. And when you go into the home, let your peace visit the home. But if you go into a home and they're not hearing you, let your peace come back to you. And when you leave that house, shake the, shake the, shake the off your feet. And keep on going to the next spot. Don't let them rejecting you at this place cause you to stop moving to the next place. Because in the kingdom, you got to keep moving. So, in 2024, the theme we landed on is giving God more in 2024. But some of us need to give God a little more movement. We got to be a little bit more active. But there's no time like today to start practicing what we've heard in the word. I think we got one more song. Y'all see how smooth they came up here. So would you smoothly stand as we close with the worship hymn? Did you get a little bit out the word today? Amen. I pray that God will give all of us new eyes and new ears to hear the voices of Christmas from the Gospel of Luke. Well, if you're comfortable, grab hands with someone next to you and let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent your son into the world so that he might come into our lives by faith. Father, we're born again. We're born from above. We're new creations with a new objective in life to bring glory and honor to you, to seek you first and your kingdom. Thank you that we can be salt and light 
that we can be your representatives, ambassadors in the earth until you return. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your church, the body of Christ. Now, Lord, as we leave this place, but never from your presence, Lord, fill us up with the joy that we just sang about because the world that we're going into, Lord, they need the presence of Jesus, the aroma of Christ. So rub off on us that we might rub off on them. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine. And it's according to the power that's working within us. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen.